Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Dude, your hair. People better be watching this episode for your hair. You look like Anson Mount. You have, you have Christopher Pike current hair like on where his hair is like a super exaggerated Christopher Pike on Star Trek I'm sure you've seen the memes the actor's name is Anson Mount super exaggerated because I so hot this is is my hair from yesterday and then I fell I went to bed like this and then I put a helmet on this morning and that's what my hair looks like I guess under when put under duress I guess I would have called it Elvis hair but uh nowadays it's Anson Mount hair Hello, everyone, and welcome to Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast, the premiere, not this week, international and uh, flagship podcast of LRMOnline.com and the Genreverse Podcast Network. You can find us on YouTube or any of your favorite places to listen to podcasts and other audio. Um, I'm joined by uh, Jammer this week. How you doing, Jammer? And then we got Kyle's on the ones and twos or whatever that means. <laughs> It's a it's a, uh, a DJ Kyle's on the DJ boards reference. and switches. There boards you go. and switches. There's another. There's there's a TV term that I don't think exists, but we'll go with it. Or he's on the one one zero zero one 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 zero zero one zero one. I like I like that digital everyone. <laughs> but enough of that shtick. <laughs> we have movie news and trailers this week, and. Well, and, there are also know, streaming things because it's all streaming, TV, everything streaming, in between, TV. entertainment. If it's entertainment. on a screen, we cover it, except for video games and not everything. So, what I just said is now null and void. So, forget everything I just said. Yep, forget all of it because here we go. We're going to start. And then we're just doing a who watches at the end. We, Maybe. we might not have time for that. But yeah, we're, I'm not, I'm, we're not doing a full movie review, just so you know, at the top of the show. So, the cool, the good shit's right here. Way to Good scare everybody right off right up front. Just tell them the truth. I don't even think there was anything good to watch in the last week. But that's a whole different topic. I don't know what came out. Um, we'll start with the trailer for Lord of the Rings on Prime, which is what they call their uh, Twitter account. But it's the Lord of the Rings, the Lord, Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. Jammer, nice. what are your thoughts? on this and kind of the how you feel about the genre recently in general because you mean the genre yeah, of fantasy we'll uh specifically on the streaming services not like gotcha. books and movies um and so you know i actually believe it or not am excited for lord of the rings but i think that's maybe in spite of this recent trailer and in spite of any of the marketing they've had the show itself visually it looks fine. It looks good. It looks like well made. It looks a little kind of um, like if you exchange shots out with the Wheel of Time I, and you didn't know the difference between them, I'm not sure if you'd be able to tell them apart, frankly. There's this kind of generic streaming fantasy look mm-hmm. that I think is really kind of permeating things. So like, it looks good, but it's not really, it's not really uh, defined by anything memorable. Um, so that's kind of my biggest thing. And then this trailer here, I mean, it's a bit cheesy with like the whispering, singing voices in the back. I'm trying to remember what uh, what movie that it reminds me of, what trailer. But regardless, like the whole like, you know, I'm talking about the whispering and talking mm-hmm. through the entire trailer. It's kind of cheesy. It makes it sound like it's trying to be, I guess, more quote unquote modern than it really is. But my biggest problem continues to be their attempt to be like kind of weave an epic narrative within the trailer, but give us things like out of context that makes make me feel nothing like oh this needs to be a trailer quote this needs to be a trailer quote i'm like maybe in context of something it would be great but out of context it's not like randomly you have this random guy saying something like we will survive this together i'm like survive what i don't know what you're surviving i don't i don't know why i should care galadriel is like the closest thing we have to a through line i think they should have leaned harder into it and made it exclusively about what is her journey what is her obstacle 
as opposed to just sort of like get hints of that, but then get these random miscellaneous other characters that I don't know getting scenes for them because they feel the need to show the vast world of Middle Earth. Um, so on the whole, I'm still excited for the show. I'm sure it still could be great, but the marketing has not been awesome. I just don't connect with it personally. Uh, when I was watching oh, it, oh, go on. Oh, yeah. Ask me a question about the genre. Yeah, um, I think that's kind of reflective about the whole genre of fantasy in streaming. Is I feel like a lot of the trailers feel like that. They don't connect me with the characters as much as to say, "Hey, here is a fantasy world. Here are characters saying trailery lines <laughs> that you know need to be said in a trailer, even if it doesn't, even if it's not impactful." Um, and it's just it really, it just kind of dulls the uh the excitement that i have for something that i really should be excited about i mean i guess i'm not a huge i'm not a big lord of the rings fan i let me try this again i don't like the books i i they're boring sorry uh they're boring to me he's great at world building i don't care as much about world building and stories as much as i care about character care at all um which, <laughs> which is why i like the game of thrones books way better than lord of the rings or way better than even the game of thrones show um so yeah that's i guess my two cents on that okay yeah because that's one of the reason i asked you about the genre as a whole um as it goes for streaming is i'm watching this and i'm like if i didn't know i clicked on a lord of the rings trailer i would assume this is a game of thrones trailer they're like oh you will be king and like this is have like i mean you get your orcs and your you know signs it's not just uh game of thrones at the same time we're like this show is trying to be game of thrones more than it's trying to be a lord of the rings story is what it feels like to me just the way the trailers cut oh yeah maybe maybe um, the marketing is trying to give you like, that vibe more where it's like anything. oh who will rule will it be the dwarves will it be the elves like will it be the men and it's just funny because i guess be an I overarching see threat besides that i i don't get the impression and this is another problem is i don't get the impression that they're all fighting for the same thing i think i get the impression that it might be separate storylines mm that we're following that aren't like we're fighting for one throne it's more of like we're fighting for it over here we're fighting for something over here we're fighting something over there but i mean i don't know like it's hard to tell to your point it does like the way when you say it like that i'm like if you think it feels like game of thrones someone who's not like tapped into the world of fantasy then that's a problem and or maybe it's a good thing maybe they maybe, people will like that game of thrones is still hot which we'll talk about later but um uh, yeah i mean it looks like game of thrones you like, don't like the genre, so it's like, as somebody who doesn't like the genre, like this, this probably does not move the needle for you. Because even the fact that I like the genre and the fact that it doesn't really move the needle for me is probably telling. This but trailer again, did move the needle. It moved oh. it down. Oh. Like, I'm less interested upon seeing more footage from it. I'm like, eh, it doesn't look like Lord of the Rings. It looks like Game of Thrones. And I think here's Chances the Chances of me watching it are low. <laughs> Game of Thrones was an anomaly. It was a... To quote Ben Wyatt and you know Parks and Rec, he's like, they would never cancel Game of Thrones. They're telling human stories in a <laughs> fantasy setting. And I think they really leaned into sort of like mainstream, making fantasy mainstream. And now that Game of Thrones made fantasy mainstream, everyone's attempting to sort of lean into mm -hmm. what is mainstream versus what makes a fantasy story unique and cool. And I just, it just bothers me. You know, I want to just jump in on on that whole mainstream thing about uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, it was massive in in the army, like fans, like the the amount mm. of fellow soldiers that were watching it while we were in in Afghanistan. Uh, people that were you know bringing uh, uh, their Wi-Fi out to the field so they wouldn't miss an an episode when when it would drop on on uh, HBO Now. Um, I think for a lot of them it was the boobs, but <laughs> it was it it was very very uh very very popular amongst a, I mean the the army is the most di diverse uh, uh organization in in the United States. People from all fifty states, all territories, and something over a hundred different countries across across the world, and literally, I mean, every everyone was watching it except me. Apparently, I don't like boobs. <laughs> so I, I only like Just one saying. set of boobs. There you go. My only my wife's set. just her. Just there her. There you go. 
<laughs> she listening outside the door? No, no. <laughs> Maybe. She's in the room. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that's that's really helps illustrate it. Just like literally the people who would have probably, you know, stuffed kids in lockers for liking something like Game of Thrones are now like whoa, whoa, tuning whoa, in every whoa, week. Whoa. I said, I'm sure there's plenty of people who would have done Some. that. Some. Not you necessarily. There's a million of us. And let's be real. No one actually got shoved in lockers no. in school. That was not a thing. Our lockers were way too small for that. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Stop it. I guess part of it. I guess part of it. Two, I guess for me then is also that I I don't like the original Lord of the Rings movies anymore. I was all for it in high yeah. school. But like have you watched I them don't recently? Like... No. I just we don't should care watch about them recently, the genre. Nick. I mean no, I, I've I... never watched the extended cuts. I don't have that we much. Should, we should we should watch the extended cuts, Nick. You should come over once a week and we should watch the extended cuts together. Help her look into the camera. <laughs> hey that'd be fun because i mean here's the thing that that's i've gone through those phases before where i was like I, i'm like ah, i'm not as much into fantasy right now and that was usually either in, in early college or so oh, that was well over a decade ago mm-hmm. um where i was more into like indie <laughs> films and shit because you know i was in film school i'm sure you went through the same thing nick mm-hmm. and i'll be like ah lord of the rings i think i'm past that and then i would pop it on and i'd be like no, fucking Lord of the Rings is just a really well-made story and like in film. Like it just is. And it's easy for us to kind of look at what's out there and be like, ooh, this is this is like Lord of the Rings. It's like, no, Lord of the Rings really was a unique beast. It was it was lightning in a bottle that has yet to be captured again. And I, I think we need to really give kind of credit where it's due. Of course, it's possible that you just you really don't like it anymore. But if you used to like it, I highly doubt I mean, if you haven't seen it in a long time. I bet you that watching it now, you'd be like, yeah, even if it's not for me, it's still really good because I remember those moments revisiting and being like, yeah, this is this is engaging. And I I, I thought I would be bored or I thought I'd be rolling my eyes at specific tropes, but it's just so good. Maybe someday. Maybe, yeah, maybe someday. next week. Maybe next week, Nick, you can come on over. We can <laughs> crack open a few beers, you know, just, just watch, I could. <laughs> watch the three okay, hours. Maybe. Tentative plans, audience. Tentative plans. Maybe it's in the I, past I think it's if worth you're listening later. Especially with the Rings of Power coming out. I think it's, I mean, obviously there it's a different connection because the Rings of Power is a pre-pre-pre-pre-pre-pre-pre-prequel. Mm-hmm. And there's no the hell way I'm going to revisit The Hobbit. So this this really kind of throws out yeah, the Hobbit movies good. suck. It was probably suck. Harsh. Well, awful. I already disliked Lord of the Rings again before that, but oh, yeah, they were they were rough. They Oof. were agonizing. I think the one thing I thought was unique about that experience is watching it in 48 frames per second. That made my head hurt, though. I still kind of want to give it a try, though. I'm changing subjects here. I want to give the 48 <laughs> frames per second thing a try again, because if we were like if we had been experiencing regular 48 frames per second movies between then and now, do you think we would have mentally gotten used to it? Yeah, hundred percent jammer i don't i sorry to jump on your guys show so much so much today but no <laughs> i i've talked to nick ab- about this um and i i don't mean it to come off pretentious or that i'm better because it's actually to my detriment but my time spent in front of high uh refresh rate screens via pc gaming mm-hmm. consuming content on on pcs i see 24p as stutter I'm I'm not joking. I'm not trying to exaggerate. It will take 20, 30 minutes for my eyes. You're you're talking a a quarter to a third of a movie for my eyes to kind of allow that slower frame rate to uh to not look like judder. But if I switch from a 60p uh video feed on on YouTube to watching a, a Blu-ray with film filmmaker mode on, you know, so all the filters and stuff are are turned off like the film filmmaker wanted it, it looks choppy so yes your your eyes will will can and will definitely adapt to higher refresh rates and higher frame frame rates and like i said it's it's i prefer smoother look only because that's i mean even our phones our phones mostly these days are 120 hertz refresh uh rate on on your cell phone so yeah you, you one day it might even happen for you guys if you you go a while not watching uh 24p movies you might be like oh damn why is it look why does it look stuttery I will say, like, I know people hate that the the refresh rates, the default refresh rates on some TVs where it makes everything look like a quote unquote soap opera. I kind of nah, like it. it. I kind of like it. So here's why. Here's why. Here's why I like it. 
Correct. The motion smooth. Here's why I like it. Is when I look at it, this is what I imagine it looked like on set. And I like to sort of feel like you could almost imagine sort of the lights offset and sort of the way they're blocking things. And it's really cool. I mean, from the perspective of somebody who finds filmmaking intriguing, I can get it takes you out of it. But at the same time, it, for me, it just immerses me in a different way. So that's why I like it personally. But you know, that's I why I don't like either of them going back to the higher frame rate is everything does look like a soap opera is my problem with it. It's like, oh, look, it's so smooth. I yeah. But it's so bright, everything. I don't know. It's just <laughs> not for me. We spent enough time on Lord of the Rings and Lord of the it's Rings so bright. conversations. <laughs> That's all right. This is what this podcast is all about. Hell yeah. No, I'm not set by it. Few and I'm going to tell you right now that the HBO Max conversation is going to go off the rails. Just Oh, that. yeah. I'm not, not, you know, we might I know you have, have to drop the your, stories after it, but the little tangent, the little little story you have there with regards to what's his name, um, just getting things that's going to be uh, yeah, off the rails. All right, well, we'll do real as we ease into the HBO Discovery world. Uh, there's a kind of a it's a not it's like I assume this was at the end of a trailer, but I didn't want to watch a full trailer for all of HBO's programming because most of it's boring. Um, and there would be peacemaker footage in there or anything. Yeah, there's probably one shot of Larry David in it. Um, we got like 20 seconds, uh, 29 seconds of uh footage from The Last of Us, and I've never played the game. A lot of people love the game and love the story, and I'm in it for the Pedro, and apparently the Nick Offerman with the big yeah, old beard. Yeah, I saw that too. And I was beard. like, is that Nick Offerman? Didn't realize that was. Uh, I knew it was him, but I had to double check to make sure that wasn't footage from another show, since this was the trailer Mm. with a lot of footage in it. But no, this is all Last of Us footage, and someone put their video game footage side by side, and it's a shot by shot remake of whatever they chose to remake it. Oh, that makes me less interested. But again, it's like it's a video game, so it can't all be a shot by shot remake when you have your character like jumping at the screen and stuff. What if it? What if they did that? What if we literally just follow us? No way. They were just, pacing was, between a, joke, a video Nick. game. I know. Goddamn, that was a joke. <laughs> it would be like an Aronofsky. It would be an Aronofsky film where you just has the camera behind the character walking. And mm-hmm. that's all they are. But uh, what'd you think of Last of Us? It's not much there, but I was like, <gasps> yeah, I mean, there's it looks like generic post apocalyptic thing. I'm sure it'll be great. I'm sure I'll watch it. Um, the closest experience I had to The Last of Us was watching playthroughs with from my with my roommate at the time when the game first came out god when was that 2012 2011 something like that been a while since the first one um and it looked good it looked great looked very serious i i didn't experience the full story but i get why people liked it i watched some playthroughs online not the whole thing but just bits and pieces um i watched some of the stuff with last of us part two with you know violent happenings happening with you know things um i just realized i was gonna say stuff and i was like i don't want to spoil anything and uh yeah so i mean it seems like a natural choice to get adapted um and the guy behind this craig mazin is that yes that's the main reason i'm excited he did chernobyl he did chernobyl and he's also you know heavily involved in mythic quest oh i didn't know that he plays uh he plays an actor it's funny because so mythic quest is really weird in that it's a really silly show, but it also takes itself very seriously. It's like its own mythology. So you have this one character who's almost like this sort of alt-right Meninist type person. Um, douche guy. He's a, Craig Mazin plays that character. And then they have like this flashback. <clears throat> it's not really a flashback. It's just like an episode that takes place earlier on. Like it's a whole episode that follows one of the characters. And they have this guy who plays a publisher. And that is also played by him. And I looked it up and that's like the grandfather of that character or something. It's just really weird how they like tie it in unnecessarily. Um, but anyways, anyways, yeah, I like Craig Mason. Yeah. Those are my two reasons to want to watch it. Um, love Chernobyl. So when it was announced with him and Pedro Pascal, I was like, cool. There's an HBO show for me. Speaking yeah, I mean, there's of always HBO, an HBO show for you. Yeah. There's always an HBO show for somebody. At least that is something that I would have been saying now. Not as much the case continue so now that we're on the hbo mask uh wb discovery side of things we'll start with some 
kind of like goodish good news and pro Batman news, and then we're gonna switch to all the other ways Warner Brothers is unloading Batman literally to other streaming services in some cases. Well, what I like, okay, so the first story is about director Matt Reeves and his um production company. They set a multi-year first look deal at Warner Brothers and re-up at Warner Brothers Television, where they've been working for a while. First look deal, meaning um, who did he previously have in the past? Uh, I'll find that in a second. But anyways, what, oh, in the past it was Netflix. Essentially, the first look first deal, right refusal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and also a lot of the projects. Well, I, I mean, Nolan had to have had one too, but just dropped it after he was upset about Tenet. I'm assuming. Because about like HBO Max next... dropping everything on HBO yeah. Max without telling well, filmmakers. Yeah, and just even the theatrical treatment. I think of I don't know. I think he wanted earlier. Or later. Well, Tenet yeah, was, was not with co- Warner Brothers. Tenet was with somebody else. Was that Universal also? Also, no. Tenet was with Warner Brothers. Was it? They just didn't put it on the streaming okay, service gotcha. same day. Gotcha, gotcha. It was, right, it was, right, it was right, right. before. His next movie is moving yeah. on to another studio. Yeah, Universal. I noticed on the Oppenheimer trailer, it's the Universal. So I'm like, oh. But um, a lot of studios, especially Warner Brothers, have a nice history of first look deals with some very important directors. Uh, their most famous is like every Clint Eastwood movie in like forever has been through Warner Brothers. He has his own bungalow over there. Um, they, apparently they have one with uh, uh, Todd Phillips starting with the hangover and you know now he's working on joker 2 um but this is about they want matt reeves who directed of course uh to the apes movies and more importantly the batman for dc and warner brothers um same time he like i said he already has the television deal where he's like working on the penguin um and yeah, Warner Brothers wants to have this long relationship where he makes them content besides the Batman. Um, and Reeves is pretty excited about it. I mean, he's kind of went from someone. I mean, most people couldn't name him. Remember, I never had never even heard of Ron Howard before. What? But, uh, what does Ron Howard have to do with this? My roommate has never even heard of him before. So it's not like all these people are mainstream but yeah I mean, he's, he's kind of gone from like he's a big studio name i would say people within yeah. the industry definitely know and respect <laughs> what he's done he started with uh let me in if i'm not mistaken was his sort of pro- i'm assuming is bad project. just because no it's a remake it's of a really really good no, movie it's solid like I, I think people are saying it's like maybe not as good but it's good okay. it's really solid i liked it obviously the apes movies got him oh cloverfield cloverfield yeah, cloverfield the, the first one yeah, I forgot about that. And that got him the ape sequels, which people seem to enjoy. And then now Did he's doing them? the Batman. I watched the middle eight movie. I watched the first one, really enjoyed it. The one he wasn't involved with. I watched the middle one, found it terribly boring. So I never watched War. Really? The, the, the middle one's the middle best one, one was just so boring. Middle one is so good. I so you're just it's just not for you. I, I, I admittedly did not like War for the Planet of the Apes. I thought that one was kind of boring. Um, Dawn, I loved. I still think they really should have shifted the names of these because I think the first one should have been called Dawn. The second one should have been called War and the third one should have been called Rise. But, I still, know. for sure. And there's actually a great video about even the Star Wars names. They could all be shifted to a better fitting film. Except for Attack of the Clones. Are... Attack of the Clones is pretty much exactly where it would be. I could be in Revenge of the Sith. I don't know. They did that. The clones don't even show up until. No, it'll be earlier. I don't know. But this guy does no, a cool thing no, about it. Right. Getting off topic. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. So thematically, I think Revenge of the Sith makes sense where it was. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um. So Reeves is excited about it. I mean, that's a, that's the big time. You got one of the it was last a bit ironic studios. to me. Really? That, like, uh, well, no. The reason why is because literally it was we're canceling Matt Reeves' animated Batman show. Also, we have the first uh, yeah. deal with Matt oh, Reeves. Oh, we will get to that. He is producing that, but um, he has his whole. We're not canceling. We're just not doing it on HBO Max. It sounds like they're probably going to be able to shop it to other studios or other streaming yeah. services or TV services. But still, it's weird. It's weird. Oh. Okay, and Matt Reeves' quote is making like. This legendary studio, my home is a dream. I am excited to be working with Mike, Pam, and Channing, not Tatum, and other teams to bring captivating stories. I am truly passionate about 
to the big and small screen. And I might include it in the thing, but Kyle did share with us the video of Star Wars, but who knows when I get to the post. Um, and obviously the studio has a similar comment where it's like uh, saying the same thing where it's like, oh, we're so excited to have like Matt Reeves in the company. But uh, so you already brought up the good point that they're unloading one of his shows. Um, Jammer. Otherwise, do you think this is a because not all these will even be DC. They're not saying they will all be even DC projects. He just has like it probably be a carte blanche, thing, like but, maybe one for them, mm-hmm. one for him, one for them, one for him. I'm expecting we'll get at least two more Batman films out of it. And that's and then the other part other of the projects. news. Um, they actually say that he's they're writing the Batman two right now, and they say that Robert Pattinson is confirmed to be in it, but. That's the first time I've read that he's confirmed to be in it. It might just be the person assuming that, but it is from Deadline. No, I think he so, was he was confirmed previously okay. to be coming back for the next one. And they say there's going to be years before them, just like uh, Dark Knight, if not longer. Year. Yeah, I would expect three Rose, to four years. So that'll that, that, that'll give him his time to do his passion projects, um, mm-hmm. or you know, work more closely on the Penguin or whatever. But yeah, what do you think about Warner Brothers snatching up Reeves as the rest of the company seems to crumble. <laughs> well, I mean, it's logical. I mean, I'm not sure I would call the company crumbling, but we can take more into that later. Um, it makes sense. I think especially, especially, especially given the quote unquote crumbling that you're just talking about, they seem to be very much going for two things. A, really big mainstream hits. B, prestige film. That's it. Prestige projects and mainstream projects. Nothing in between. And Matt Reeves, it's kind of both. His mm. movies are very big mainstream, or but they're also very prestigious. Like all of his films, I would classify as sort of like prestige pictures. Maybe Cloverfield, not as much, but at the same time, it kind of defined a, a subgenre at the time. So it's like, they've all been very impactful in their own ways. And he seems like a, he's very clearly a talented person. Like what he did with the Batman was just, yeah, that was an accomplishment. And, I uh, I remember not being excited because I thought it was going to feel too much like Nolan, but he really made the character his own. And he did that with all of the movies that he's done so far. So I think it's a great talent. I think it makes sense. Um, but I think it's logical. I'm not sure I'm excited because it seemed like a natural progression of mm-hmm. the relationship with Warner Brothers. So good for him. Good for us. Uh, but I'm not sure about you know the rest of the decisions. Warner, uh, yeah, Warner Brothers and HBO Discovery or whatever the hell it's called. Warner Brothers Discoveries, Discovery, Warner Brothers Discovery, Discovery, whatever the hell they're talking about, whatever they are. Uh, I don't like these other decisions they're making. Personally, speaking of, we have after a story about putting faith in someone who's making Batman, we have multiple stories about uh. DC Warner Brothers trying to destroy other projects with Batman and the Bat family in it. Um, obviously, we know that um, Batgirl was canceled. And there's a quote from. <clears throat> try this name. Bilal Fala. Fire. I don't know. He's one of it's the directors. Not Spanish, but it's, it's, it's not Spanish. So you pronounce both L's. Okay. Anyway, um, you're trying. I'll give it's, it to you. Uh, so he's one of the two directors of uh, Batgirl. I believe they're brothers. Um, they previously did Bad Boys for Life. was kind of their big hit that got and them like, noticed. Jonesy enjoyed it. Yeah, they did episodes of Miss Marvel. Um, but most people don't. I don't know. I know that I only know about them from Bad Boys uh, because Jonesy was so stoked on that film and i've been meaning to get to it because he like did like it a lot and thought it was a really deserving sequel to a michael bay franchise um so uh the director whose name i already butchered um they said that they tried to salvage the batgirl footage but and this is it's not an exact thing they say discovery already deleted it um but surely it just means that they took it behind like they they cut the brothers access off to it before they could get any files because um in yeah yeah that's part of the video uh you go watch the video um then um hold on Kyle just sent I sent you the 
the quote next so you oh, can here, here's what he says well, we have nothing a deal called me and said go ahead shoot some things on your cell phone i went on the server and everything was blocked lrb added we were like fucking shit all the scenes with batman in them shit uh and what could have been lrbt's the return of michael keaton as batman earlier this month so it sounds like yeah they were in the process of I guess trying to edit it, and they were like, Warner Brothers is like, oh, we're gonna cut this off before they fucking Deadpool us, you know, and leak it out. Or, yeah, no Snyder cut this, which is what they were kind of comparing it to. It's a nice little interview. I'm glad that someone wrote it out because it's in French, um, but it has subtitles on it. So that right. is them even throwing Michael Keaton, not just Batgirl, but Michael Keaton, just you know, just dropping Batman projects uh, even if they hire the man who made a good batman project and speaking of that uh, well i guess any surprise there jammer i mean i mean that's nothing new like yeah we'd expect like they in order for the tax right down to go through they can't show any version of this movie ever um so they're protecting their asses on that regard it's not a surprise to me there's no way this is this is this is different from the snyder cut this is uh they can't show anything of it. Yeah. Oh, too bad. But related to that and going back to Reeves, um, the Batman series I was most interested in um, isn't canceled because it's already in production, but they who own Batman, Warner Brothers, are trying to shop it to other streaming services that are not owned by Warner Brothers, even though Batman is a Warner Brothers character. Probably their most profitable behind Harry Potter. Just assuming. You can't just make a broad assumption like that. Well, it's he's a highly the... profitable character. No need to make probably their most hard, like their most profitable after Harry Potter. That's... Those are probably their most profitable franchises of the Dark Knight DC. I know and, that um, you're saying Harry probably, Potter is but... definitely bigger than that. You could just say it's a highly profitable franchise and leave a it highly that. Profitable make... character and one of the most well-known characters in the world. That's true. Used Those to be, are true statements. You couldn't pit an Iron Man movie against a Batman movie and hope for any money. In today's day and age, you can't even make a billion dollars with a movie that has all the Justice League in it. Now, maybe that was their problem, was cutting Green Lantern. Anyway, uh, they uh, we were very excited about, about Batman Cape Crusader, um, Jonesy and I, um, because the main creative behind it was... Uh, I need to. I want to call him Tim Gunn, Bruce Tim. Um, he who uh, was the mastermind behind uh, not only the anim- Batman animated series, but kind of that whole age of Justice League animation and that style. Um, which, and that, I don't know, have, we, have you ever really given your opinion? Have you seen a lot of that? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's Jammer. It's really good. Yeah. I haven't watched it in like so I still over think, a decade, but it's good. I got the DVDs like probably a decade ago but um yeah it's some of my favorite batman material uh and this was supposed to be very similar to this but it would allow it would be more than pg which it was back in the day um we're like you couldn't kill anyone batman joker would throw someone out of a plane and he'd just like land on a rooftop or something this would have been a more adult take with a similar s- style of animation and yeah as uh you mentioned earlier Reeves was also an executive producer as well as JJ Abrams who they say has some they say his other projects at DC are not all dead yet um there are a few other ones that got canceled too that basically these are all animation shows although I think these are all ones that are either canceled or going elsewhere Merry Little Batman which was about Damian Wayne um Bruce the son of Bruce Wayne uh, who's a later uh, Robin turning into little Batman in order to defend his home in Gotham city from crooks and supervillains intent on destroying Christmas. Like, you know, there's, there's a Looney Tunes cartoon, a, a movie, a Looney Tunes musical, a Steve Urkel. What, so what did I do that to the holidays? A Steve Urkel story. You know, there's a bunch of other actually an amazing gumball, the movie. Um, So all that went, but what I found most interesting is that, yeah, they're not that in what world jammer are we living in that there's going to be a Batman series on something not owned by Warner brothers. Uh, 
it does kind of seem like the new CEO, David Zaslav, is cutting off HBO Max at the knees. Last year, they were all in, you know, controversially. And I think HBO Max ended up being one of the best streaming services out there because of how diverse its content was. Um, you have their prestige content. You have a lot of their movies. You have their animated offerings. You can kind of always, you can find something that is both mainstream, fun to watch, alongside something that is maybe more challenging, cinematic, hard-hitting, maybe something like Euphoria. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worry that they're, like I said before, going for two things now, mainstream, prestige. That's it. Live, live action. Live action, main scene, mainstream, prestige. And I just, uh, and then also the third thing, unscripted which I don't like because I don't like non-scripted shows. They, they just don't appeal to me usually. Of course, there's the occasional one where I'm like, oh, this is good. But mostly, mostly I could do without them. It seems like they're trying too hard to cut costs. So there are mm. a couple things. It's like, oh, well, let's cut costs. Let's go ahead and cut off that, that Batman project that's animated. And because it's animated, the margins probably won't be as high. So cut it out. Animation in general It'll probably make some money. It won't make a lot of money. So let's go ahead and cut that expense out. Um, Let's go ahead and cut out just anything that isn't cheap to make and high return or expensive to make high return or something that'll just put us on the, uh, you know, we could put those freaking uh, accolades up for us. Mm -hmm. So it just seems like it's very narrow-minded or very focused, one could argue. I personally don't like it as a fan of animation. Um, I know there's a lot of people who are working on a different variety of projects, but like, yeah, they're, they're really kind of undercutting the value of HBO max. And I'm like in a year or so after this, these things have taken effect, uh, how much am I actually going to want to watch very much on HBO max? I don't know because personally, a lot of their prestige stuff, I'm not a huge fan of some of it's okay, but a lot of it's too fucking serious for my taste. Um, And then you know, I like some of their their weirder and goofier shit sometimes, but like it's, I don't know, I I don't like the idea of the consolidation leading to the homogenization of content, and that seems to be exactly what's happening here. It's another reason why, you know, this whole like constant merging of all these companies is a bad thing. It's like creatively, there are fewer avenues for people to shop their wares and produce really unique and creative content. And when you have somebody who's just hyper-focused on the bottom line, like Zaslav, who's just like, oh, we're merged. Now we need to cut because that's when you merge, you have to cut costs. That's just the way it is. And who seems to be relentlessly cutting things that, from my perspective, feels like shit he doesn't know about. I could be wrong, but shit that he just doesn't value um, at a high level. It's just really disheartening. And I just hate it. This isn't an official story, but... uh. I've added to our list, but it is true. I was shocked, shocked, shocked. They already renewed the rehearsal for a second season. Because I'm like, there's an expensive show that's never going to get a set. Have you never heard of the rehearsal? It's Nathan Fielder who does like Nathan for you. You've heard of Nathan for you? Where he's like, I'm going to make your yogurt shop popular, but what? Because we're going to sell poop flavored yogurt. And then these like, um, these business owners go along with what he says where he's like, I'm going to make you stand out. Yeah. You're going to have poop flavored yogurt. And he plays it all very flat. That's this, this kind of comedic rehearsal? persona. That's his other show that made him famous. The rehearsal is okay. So the first episode, he's trying to help a guy who's afraid to, to tell his friend that he's been lying about his education for 20 years. And she's been trying to help him find jobs in the field that he doesn't have a master's in. So Nathan's like, okay, to make this easy or, I have built the entire bar. I've built a set of the bar that you'll be doing this at in a giant warehouse. And then I have hired an actor to play your, uh, your friend. And we're going to, you know, just try it until you feel comfortable about it. And then we'll put in every possible scenario, hire a whole bunch of actors to fill the bar, just this fake version of the bar, just to practice. Um, And the show evolves into him trying to help a lady, 
who wants to experience what it's like having kids for eight weeks, switching out the kids every like few days, switching the age of the kid actor out. So she ex- experienced having a boy from an infant to uh, 18 years old. And then he and kind of weaves himself show? in and out. Yes, because they, he also inverts on himself or he has an actor play himself and recreate scenes to see how he could have done it better and like they build sets like they rebuild the entire house inside of a set and like and then they build because admittedly i feel bad i'm looking at it the show does not look expensive at all oh it's because and it's like it's mostly unscripted just his humor like it's like well because they build sets of sets and then there's like in order to understand how that set work we built this set it's just like they spent ridiculous amount of money on like a (laughs) non-scripted show um because yeah it doesn't have high production value it's just like very sarcastic and really it's kind of like inception in the end where there's like a rehearsal within a rehearsal within a rehearsal within a rehearsal and it's a fascinating show um where he goes with it and how he turns it back on himself almost like a documentary but with a really um fucked up conceit in fact uh a lot of people who tweet about him are like he she either beginning an Emmy or going to jail for the show because he treats the people on it pretty cruelly. Um, but um, that's rehearsal. They renewed that, um, which I was shocked by, especially with just everything being a mess over there. But uh, that brings me into our last part of HBO Max Discovery, which is the good news for them. Um, so Samba TV, an audience analytics company, um, has declared the premiere of House of the Dragon, a Game of Thrones spinoff series, uh, earned 9.986 million views on Sunday, making it the largest premiere in HBO history and the largest streaming premiere of the year, even beating Stranger Things and Euphoria, wow. which was HBO's old number one. Um, Nielsen has not yet released data, but this other site um, did. And it includes... If you're looking at the same article, it includes uh, uh, HBO. I mean, uh, a meme, not even a meme, a clip I saw also on different place on Twitter where it shows all these houses like in a giant apartment complex in New York. And almost all the apartments are flashing at the same time because all the, all the TVs are tuned into Game of Thrones. Oh, so like cool. you can see like all the apartments like light up green at the same time or like. But are you at all shocked by this? The Game of Thrones still has so much pull. No, people can bitch about as much as they want, but at the end of the day, people tuned in for a lot of what happened at the end. And a lot of people are frankly curious to see whether or not this could be just as good. You know, people exaggerate so much about like, oh, the ending sucked. I'm done with this series. And I'm like, no, you're not. Like, I think people have a lot of affinity for (coughs) taking shit you know like the last like there were six great seasons of television and two bad seasons of television i'm sorry the six seasons highly outweighed the the bad and i think you know knowing that it's like different creators and everything but in the same world there's still a lot of great potential there for great content and people verbalize a lot of bullshit because they're going with their knee-jerk reactions but at the end Mm -hmm. of the day curiosity will reign and they're, given the fact that there's still been more good content from Game of Thrones than not, I think mm-hmm. people are willing to sort of give it a chance, at least a few episodes. And then the, the show will be able to kind of stand on its own and say, okay, is this a show that can actually hold up beyond initial curiosity? That That is, you know, to be determined. But I'm not at all shocked that this first episode ended up being pretty good. Like, Dude. it's too big of a name. Do you think it? Well, I guess it depends on the quality. I haven't seen reviews for it or fan reactions. Um, so do you think it'll drop? Then I mean, honestly, it's like uh, this was like oh, the next episode. Like, the next episode like will. This drop is episode bit, one sure. of Star Wars, where it's like we have had Star Wars forever, even or even like Force Awakens, which is still the number one domestic film in the United States, which we'll get to soon. Where it's like, oh my god, we haven't had we had the last Star Wars was shitty, but this is gonna be the good stuff, baby. It's and not then... as comparable because <laughs> Game of Thrones is, is a weekly show, so it's going to depend on the momentum mm-hmm. of the story. I think there will be inevitably a drop over the next episode or two. And then after that, 
it's going to depend on how well received it is. What's the word of mouth after episode two and three? And then it'll increase or decrease depending on that reaction. So too early to say. Um, I've heard mixed to positive things about it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's just a single episode. I've said this before. I'm still shocked the original series did as well as it did. Frankly, those shows fucking boring. Like I, it's boring to me. I don't I never get it. liked it. I love the books. I don't get these series, and I don't understand apart from the boobs how people were able to follow it. <laughs> like I don't get how people were able to follow it. It makes no sense to me because I'm like, you're with each character five minutes at a time. Yep, that was That's my it. complaint with it. And then I'm like, all right, this I just don't. I can't connect with it. I got bored. Everyone looks the same because they're all covered in dirt. And, you know, it's just, just I, I'll give the show a try um, since it is directly made for TV and not inspired by material. Um, and I think a lot of people, just going back to your earlier question, are also a little more curious because there is no source material for this as mm. much. Like, yeah, there's source material, but there's no source narrative, so to speak, for them to pull from. So it won't be as much of like, we're expecting certain things to line up in, in, a, in a way. And they're not necessarily, they're not running out of material at the end. They don't have any material from the start. So hopefully they'll be able to structure things in a way that, it, you know, they're able to keep going. And also they're not going to hopefully have a couple of creators who get bored at the end and just kind of want to rush an ending. Do you think there's any chance Lord of the Rings will come close to this number in like, like oh, Lord of the Rings comes out idea. next month. I don't think uh, so. Yes. I think this is a bigger franchise. You think, yeah? Yeah, it's Lord of the Rings. Absolutely. I think so. I think absolutely. And I, because I, I, I think it also helps that Amazon Prime is something that probably a lot of people will be like, I already have. I, I don't, don't I, yeah, they already, I already have it. Or maybe they'll be like, do I have this? Oh, I guess I do have it. Yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah. So I think, yeah. Okay. Interesting. I, 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 I just assume it won't come over close in game touching game of thrones but it might be hard to be every streaming from? series is a new record yeah uh, what, what are these ratings that? from They're, these ratings are from a a rating service that i've never heard before. an analytic service yeah i already closed the page but That's um, fine. yeah my point anal- is, is that it's, it's one of the these aren't the nielsen like i said nielsen's still coming um yeah my point is is that i just for, don't yeah. know if we're gonna get an apples to apples comparison because i would be surprised if when the ratings come out they are this service that we yeah. get numbers for but maybe they will be and maybe we will be able to compare apples to apples that'd be nice be easier apples oranges and i think this will be our last story um speaking of grosses or eyeballs on a movie or tv show rather uh top gun has set a new record for uh just being up on the top not like <laughs> didn't mean that um, it's not the number one movie of all time, um, but it did have a new milestone at the domestic box office, passing Avengers Infinity War. Um, Top Gun as that six six hundred seventy nine million, and Infinity War only made it to six hundred seventy eight million. No, there's actually um, a, an update right now. It's at six hundred eighty four million, so it is comfortably passed. So wow, that that means I may have overtaken some other ones. No, nope, still that 800... Oh, okay. Because the next one that they would pass is going to be Black Panther at around seven hundred million. Okay, which probably at this point, I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. Maybe it's possible because that's only like it, it, between when you looked at it and when Kyle captured that screen cap, there was an extra five million. So maybe over the next few days, that'll improve. Um, yeah, that's that's what 50 that's 16 15 million ish to beat it's it's possible i don't know but you know i don't think it's going to catch avatar at 760 million no. but i think there's worth it's worth pointing out like just how it, it really is pulling those avatar numbers in terms of just how well it's being it's sustaining over time it's it's proving to be a real unicorn so good for it this this is a bit is of it? a side thing do you guys think uh, No Way Home's re-release bumps up fifty-four million to take over Endgame? No, oh, it's not gonna make that much. I think it might. It's possible because it's, so. they, if they advertise, there's nothing it well, else to see that's no, because if they advertise good. it well, 
that they say like hey this is the new funner version with x extended you know, cut yeah extended cut like if they really push that like i think it's possible maybe not the opening weekend but maybe over the course of like a couple ha- of weekends that's interesting i've never known a rerun of a movie to make that much money but it's not a rerun but... it's a it's an extended cut yeah that i could also probably get at home soon but because i'll definitely want to watch it i'm just i'm trying to be cheap right now um, which is why I've seen way less movie. I haven't seen a movie since Jurassic World in theaters. I'm waiting for <laughs> Thor to hit Jurassic Disney Plus. World. But you've seen movies since then, haven't you? Didn't you guys watch I don't know. something? I don't so know. the last, the only summer movies I saw was that and Top Gun. Eh, yeah, and Doctor Strange Thor. doesn't really count. How's I didn't Dr. even Strange see Thor. I'm waiting first. I think it's a little earlier than the summer. Oh, Isn't okay. that closer to March or early April? It was early April. What? What was um, April? Doctor Strange. Yeah. Isn't that early April? I no, think. Uh, it's like, Which, uh, uh, I'll check, but it's April, April, May. I guess that would be the first one. So I guess I've seen that too. That's, that's in the summer zone and they keep, cause they keep pushing it earlier. So how insane is that, that a Tom Cruise movie, a sequel to a movie that eh, was successful, but it's not like a record breaking movie is grossing I mean, more than, uh, it was a hugely Thanos. impactful movie when it comes it's still a hugely impactful the original top gun pop culture huge impact there so um you know i think the more surprising thing for many people would be that it's taken this long for tom cruise to have a this big of a hit i don't think people were like oh tom cruise there's no way he's gonna have a top 10 box office movie i think the biggest shock is that it hasn't happened yet so i'm not Mm -hmm. surprised about that i'm surprised it hasn't happened but earlier um, but good for him. Like, I think it goes to show his his drive for more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Realism. Authentically. Authenticness. Uh, authentically authentic. shot authentic. movies or, mm-hmm. or practically shot movies. That's it. Uh, practical effects <laughs> is um, means something because it makes a big difference, especially when you get all those people going like, dude, you need to watch this in theaters because the 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 impact and the rumblings and everything it just it helps it makes i remember that was the biggest thing when we first saw the trailer for top gun maverick back at san diego comic-con where it was surprise introduced just the rumbling it was just crazy and i'm like that is just a feeling you would not get in a standard you know marvel movie like that Mm -hmm. amount of Visceral. You get the spectacle, but it's not the same when Thanos brings down a moon as when a jet buzzes by the camera. Yeah. Different spectacles. It's like, yeah, it's a very different type of spectacle. It's like, uh, there's something tangible about it. We become so numb to visual effects that it is just, we just assume things are a certain way. But then when we see it for real, it's like, oh, that's different. It's really noticeable. I'm just shocked that. In the, I know, of course, this is domestic. Uh, internationally, Top Gun is not as big as something like a superhero show or. But I mean, smashy, Top Gun has movie, made seven hundred and twenty million dollars internationally. It made more than domestically, so it's done really well for itself overseas as well. Whew. Top Gun three, four, five, and six coming soon. I hope not. Got shot back to back. <laughs> I, and I do. I we get am a, still surprised. We get a post from Tom Cruise saying, "I can't believe it. The final three movies in the the, the final three movies of this series." <laughs> Sorry, I keep going back to that stupid post from Vin Diesel where he says, "Oh my God, we're reaching the end of, of the Fast and Furious franchise with these last three movies." I'm like, "Shut up, get out of here." But I, I hope this uh, has a people remember this next May. They're like, remember how much we like that last practical Tom Cruise movie that we only saw because it was called Top Gun? It's like, maybe we should check out Mission Impossible this year. I hope it has a little buoy because, yeah, they always make money, but they're never the biggest films. Like, even the, I think it I was. Think, I think, um, yeah. Top Gun is a lot more accessible than, than Mission Impossible. It's very Probably at this point, too. I'm an idiot. <laughs> so, whenever I watch, I don't, I never understand what's happening in Mission Impossible movies. Like I watch it, I'm like, this looks good. 
he's smiling. Therefore, I could tell that they did something <laughs> good or he's frowning or stressed out. Therefore, I can assume that what they did is either failed or in jeopardy. I don't understand the plot of any of those movies. Um, so if that is how I feel, I imagine a lot of people feel similarly. So they're fun, but they're not as like emotional accessible or engaging, Top Gun. accessible. And Top Gun was a very... Um, I think it did a good job of character work and mm -hmm. making me care about all of the different characters that are there. And that makes it, that adds to it. Um, Kirsten she could not give less of a fuck about Top Gun in general. And she was like, that movie was way better than I expected it to be because mm -hmm. it wasn't just a spectacle. It had a well-rounded character arc. And heart. Lots and yeah. lots of heart. Mm-hmm. All right, I think we're going to keep it a little bit shorter show this week. Anything else you want to talk about, Jammer? No, no. I know you said you've been watching a little bit of something. I guess you could have a short Who Watches if you're interested. Sure. Um, I'll go first. Well, first, I watched... Uh, well, this is kind of following. I watched Under the Banner of Heaven um, mm. a few months ago, and that's a show that deals with uh, Mormon fundamentalism is one of the things they call it. So then this documentary came out recently on Netflix, I think even even last week, like um, about, you know, the whole compound idea and how terrible some of those have gone. The comp and like, the, you know, the, the LDS Can you Church, explain Church of Latter-day Saints. Well, I'll get to it. Like they don't even approve of polygamy. But towards the end of his life, Joseph Smith started saying stuff like, if you don't have at least three wives, you're not going to heaven. And like, that's the LDS, the actual Church of Mormon, doesn't believe that. It actually looks down on these giant compounds <clears throat> where they believe the leader is literally the prophet and he won't die. And that was part of the documentary, was that when he did die, everyone was like, well, he's going to get back up, right? And at the funeral, they're like, he's going to hop out of the coffin, right? And he has so much power that he assigns who marries who, um, and he gets to choose who goes to Zion, which is another city they built, you know, they believe about heaven being Zion for uh, Mormons. Um, and um, it gets to a point where he like, he has like 56 children or something. And he's like, his, his brides rage from age 80 to 12. And like, and he makes all the decisions. Like he could be like, Oh, like you could be like, I really like this guy. Can I get married to him? He's like, actually I've assigned him to the one example was like, actually I've assigned you to your cousin. You know, so it's like, and you're so ingrained in it when you're raised in it, you don't even consider it a bad thing. Um, so this show, Big Love, that's why I've been watching Big Love, a classic HBO show. Um, won all of its awards and all the stuff. Like, I think it was like one of the first, like with Sopranos and The Wire to be like, hey, HBO's got something going on over there because that's how old of a show it is. Um, but it's about Bill Paxton has three wives and they live and three how East wives has a house and their backyards all connect and they're kind of living the polygamous lifestyle, which is, you know, that's what I meant as far as uh, fundamentalism. You have to have three wives polygamy um, and they all share a backyard. And, like, and this show always... uh, aired from 2006 to 2011. So yeah, it's quite yeah, a, like when we were in college, but basically. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's about both. And then they have connections to the compound. Like his brother still lives on it. One of his wives is actually the daughter of the prophet. Um, so it's it's all about both hiding themselves from the real world because they could all be arrested and trying to deal with their family. They love that's still stuck on the compound. And it's very it's a very interesting show. Like, like I said, not new, but I'm enthralled by it and watch multiple episodes a day. So that's why I've been watching a classic. Nice, nice. And uh I haven't finished it, but this week, I believe the season finale of Only Murders in the Building. <gasps> I haven't watched this week's either. I'm a, I'm a couple episodes behind because I wanted to be able to binge the last few because mm -hmm. the season's been really good so far. I think it's been better than the first season. So I'm excited. I'm real excited and um, I'm liking where it's going. It's been a lot of fun. I think I like the characters a lot more this season. Uh, Selena Gomez's character is a little less cagey. And so... Mm -hmm we've been able, able to get a big, bigger peek <clears throat> into how she is. And that's been great. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a continued triumph and I hope that there are at least, you know, one or two more seasons left. Well, at least be one more left as this is news. I 
set up with Kyle. But now that we're talking about only murders, uh, Paul Rudd was just cast for next season because they keep yes, adding interesting like actors like that. Yeah, I need to catch up oh. on that. I'm an episode and a half behind on only murders. Okay, so, so you're you're. Would you agree with everything I said though? Yeah. Then, because you're, I think you're probably farther than I am. Then. I should be a little. I I just didn't finish last week's episode, but. Hmm. Yeah, I think, and the sad thing is that it sounds like this is going to be Steve Martin's swan song. Yeah. And he indicated before that after this is over, he thinks this is going to be it for him. He's like, yeah, I think I'm going to retire. I think I'm not going to look for any more projects. I'm done. And uh, hopefully he's able to go out on the strong note. But either way, regardless of how the show ends, we can at least say there's been a solid couple of seasons so far. So good work, everyone involved. Um, and I never get tired of that opening animation from after the, the cold open. I love the opening animation. So good. Agreed. All right. We ready to wrap her up, wrap her up, wrap her up. Let's wrap it up. All right. You've been listening to Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast on the Genre Podcast Network. Genreverse Podcast Network. <laughs> um, you can be found at lrmonline.com. Um, uh, all of the places you listen to audio. Uh, and, of course, on YouTube. Uh, Kyle, do you want to plug our new home? Yes, guys. Uh, we will be ending our distribution f- through uh, SoundCloud. And unfortunately, unfortunately, however you want to word it uh the sounder.fm where we are distributing now does not distribute to soundcloud that's okay you guys can join us on of course sounder.fm uh or apple google uh spotify stitcher and i'm working on getting us added to uh things like amazon and so yeah there there's lots of ways to get a, get a hold of us and youtube awesome yeah. And of I course, know our Discord. When I first set up SoundCloud, it was kind of like a necessity at the time. But now that you guys are kind of expanding, I'm excited to hear about these new distribution methods because I don't think anybody listens directly on SoundCloud, or very few people listen directly on SoundCloud. There's a few. Days. There was a few. Yeah. Really, directly and, on SoundCloud. Surprising. Yeah. There, there was a few. And on all your favorite streaming platforms, and uh, here on YouTube, if you're watching us on YouTube to see it, uh, Jammer's wonderful ants and mount of a mount on his head. My um, Anson mount on my head. Yeah. Um, we have other great shows like Anime Versal Reviews, uh, Daily Cup of Genre, um, Marvel Multiverse Mayhem. I the really want to remember the Katina. I really want to remember the name of uh, Kyle's uh, reaction videos one day. Genre shot. Genre shot. Genre shot. And then what's the time? Then they ABR also do a squared. show where they yeah. AVR squared, where yeah. they uh they um actually do a commentary basically on what you're watching. Is Re- that kind react of reactions? To anime. Live reactions. Yeah, reactions. yeah those are okay. those are doing really well for you, aren't they, Kyle? Those are doing well for the channel. The cla- classroom of the elite jammer. I'm telling you, wa- watch it, man. It's it's great. It's it's brutal. <laughs> Holy crap, is it brutal? Check hmm. it out, anime fans. Or converts, not me, but uh, um, and with that, Jammer, where can that be found? I can be found uh, under the name AJ Cerna on Amazon and Audible, as well as Jam the Writer on Twitter. And don't forget to check out my books. Um, by my books, I mean specifically City of, of Mages, which is available on MagiaBooks.com. That's M-A-G-I-A Books.com. It's currently available in ebook paperback and hardcover and soon to be coming the audiobook which we are getting the final audio files for this week nice. and have gone through finalization it's about 11 ish hours of content so be sure to check that out when the time comes i think at some point i might just see throw a little audio clip on this one of these episodes i don't know if that's possible kyle but if we could do that that'd be awesome all right cool give the thumbs up maybe over the next couple weeks and uh, oh yeah, lastly, if any of you happen to be in Salt Lake City area or going to Fanex Salt Lake, I will be going there uh, this coming September, signing and selling the aforementioned books, including the Gin Tamer series um, trilogy, which we will be signing paperbacks for with my co-author, Derek Allen Sidaway. We'll also be there with Katie Cross, who um, has a series called the Dragon Master series as well. So check us out if you're able, let us know that you heard about us here. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see you there. And then I'm uh, well, Kyle is at that Kyle Malone on a 
Twitter. Ooh, I'm having some brain farts this morning and some real farts. And uh, I'm at Geeky Nick Doll <laughs> on Twitter. That's not smell good over here. That's one of the reasons I'm making the show a little shorter. Uh, and I'm at Geeky Nick Doll on Instagram, which I need to use more, and, and Twitter. And with that, hasta lasagna. Do not be getting any of that lasagna on top of your body. Redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.